I want to go to a very, um, uh, uh, a subject that deals with every one of us. But today, I want you to dial it in and look at yourself. Being a minister of the gospel, preaching now for these many years, and a hundred years ago when I was a youth pastor and going to uh, different venues and preaching to teenage groups over and over, I found myself asking myself certain questions as I was getting ready to preach because a lot of times I might be preaching to a group or teaching a group that I didn't know anybody there or maybe a handful, and I got that thought in my mind and my heart, I wonder what the potential really is in the room. Well, you know, it isn't just teenagers that have potential. Look around today. Each one has potential. And are we living up to that potential that God has already put in us? Many of us that have a few years on us, we would say, well, I've probably lived the best years of my life. I've probably uh, accomplished most of the things I'm going to accomplish in life. But how do we know that? So it comes back to this simple, simple reality of I need to look at myself again very closely. I need to see if I'm fulfilling all the things that I should be fulfilling. And I'm not talking about necessarily bucket list of things we want to do or, or to see done in our life. That's, that's all fun and great too. But what is that God-given potential in each one of us? So I've got a question to ask you today before we go to the text. Am I a saint? Ask yourself that. Say it out loud, will you? You ever talk to yourself? Am I a saint? Or ain't I? We're going to use that word ain't. A saint or ain't? Because as soon as, you know, I've, I've preached with this word in the past, but we've got to look at it even a little closer because we hear that word saint, and for so many of us, especially if you have a, a Roman Catholic background, you would say that I'm just, I, I just see marble figurines, uh, uh, some kind of monument erected of someone that lived way before my lifetime. They're saints. But surely that's not speaking to anybody I know, and it surely couldn't be me. So go, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Would you stand one more time for the reading of the word? If you are visiting today, we, we just live calisthenics here. We're up and down, up and down. Romans chapter 1. I want to read the first seven verses. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called, notice his calling, to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Here we go. The obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. We're also called, you see. But verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, just before you see it, turn to somebody and say, hey, saint, grace to you. 
Now, some of you wives are choking as you turn around to your husband and say that. Anybody that's done any studies at all, especially in psychology or psychiatry, we come across something that we've heard of multiple times, but maybe there's somebody hearing it for the first time. Maslow's hierarchy uh, of needs. And his original study that still is the foundation of other things that we're discovering about we, us people, those five basic, basic, basic needs. What are they? Simply to survive, to be safe, to belong. And then we get into esteem, and then we get into our full potential. These are the basic needs, not just general needs, not just all uh, oh, those things I'd like to get. These are the basic needs that every one of us have in our life. Every one of us need to know that we're going to survive. If you're in something harrowing, you, you're in a car accident and you're out in the back 40 and no one is around when it happens, you're going to do whatever it takes in your power and ability to survive if it takes days before you're discovered. We get it beyond that. If I, now that I know survive, I want to be safe. I don't ever want to go through that again. And then there's this thing of belonging, and it's this basic need. Today, we understand that we see it no matter where we look. People want to belong to something, so they join drama clubs, or they join athletic clubs, or they join churches, or they join an art group. They join something because they want to belong. Once we find others that are similar to us, we're, we're very happy. We have something to talk about. We have something in common to discuss. But then we get into these areas, and even though they're basic needs, only 20% ever get to the next levels of basic needs, and that's esteem, which brings fulfillment in our life. And then getting into that other level of accomplishment, that full potential of who I am. And here's what I'm convinced of in preaching week after week. You don't have to just go to a new group. It can be people that you know and you see on a common basis. And yet you, you wonder, why don't they have a smile on their face? Why don't I ever hear something uh, giddy that they're chattering about, something that thrills them? And it's because I'm convinced so many go through life unfulfilled. Just going through life. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because too many hands would go up. I just feel like I'm going through the motions. I just get up. I go to work. I go back home. I eat two or three times a week. Some, some of us eat six or seven times a day, whatever the case. I watch the same old TV shows. I, I look at the same websites. I, I drive the same kind of car year in, year out. If I get rid of one white car, I buy another white car. I'm just going through the routines. But are you fulfilled? You see, that esteem thing that God has created in us, that inspires us to get to that area of full potential. Have I lived up to my full potential that God himself has put into me? Am I doing all that I can do? You see, it's in those areas that just refreshes us and renews us when you have purpose again, right? You're ready to go at it again. I just thought I was tired and weary, but now I've got a reason to get up in the morning. Now I've got a reason to go to work. Now I've got a reason to live. 
And here in the Word of God, we find out that we're called to be saints. And so the question is, am I a saint or ain't? Is something that's not judgmental looking at somebody, oh, well, that's a person. Yeah, they're, they're obviously a saint. There's old Jim. He's a saint, yeah. But there's Jason. There ain't no way he's a saint. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is us. And this thing just kind of goes up and down. Some days I feel like a saint. And some days I, some days I ain't. And I have too many days that I'm an ain't. I go to church and the music's good. I go to church, the word of God preached in the moment, it inspires me and I'm going to do better. And then I get out to life again. I'm right back to the old blah, the old routine. What's the problem? Again, it's being unfulfilled and not looking closer to what this really means. You see, a saint is not someone who's been dead long enough. We forgot about all their misgivings. And now we say, oh, they were perfect apparently when they were on the earth. It's talking about the reality that as believers, we are separated, that we're different. Turn to somebody and say, you're different. Anita, that wasn't hard at all to say to Jim, was it? I love this next word. It means peculiar. God's people are peculiar. The word of God brings that word out. We're peculiar. And when we hear that word, we think that it always just means one synonym. It means to be strange. And yes, some of us live up to that billing. And the older I get, the more I actually love that about people. I like people to be comfortable in their own skin. Be weird. Be strange. Isn't that right, Sarah? Say amen. Thank you. That's the best compliment I've had all week. But you see, there's some other words. It means that we're uncommon and we're unusual. That's the pay dirt. What makes these believers so different? You're, you're unusual. If I was going through what you're going through, I would have lost my mind by now, but you're still sane. If I had just gone through what you've gone through, I would have bloodied that person's nose. But you didn't do that. Matter of fact, you turned around and blessed that person when it had been easier to curse that person. Does it sound like Bible to you? The things that we're called to do, to be different. You see, we are called to belong, that basic thing. And we get to be called to the kingdom of God, the family of God, and be included in the saints club. The reason we preach like this is because the Word of God still tells us faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. See, it's in services just like this. This is what I've learned. See, it's not just motivational type of inspiring wording today. It's every time we open the Word of God and it speaks to us, we have that privilege of the Word of life breathing into us. I can do this. 
God expects me to do this. He's called me to be different. He's called me to be unique, uncommon, unusual, peculiar. This is who God expects me to be. Have you ever gone into a situation and you just know the crowd that you're going to face expects you to be one way and you just get that moment, that salient moment to think, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to show them something different. I'm going to be different than what they expect. How many enjoys doing that? Absolutely. Because you grab their attention. I didn't expect you to act that way. I didn't expect you to accept that. I just knew you were going to do this. My father-in-law, of course, he's gone home to be with the Lord in pastoring all those many years and me just kind of getting into the role of a lead pastor. He made a statement to me one day, and again, he wasn't one to just give you his mementos and write them down and you get to read them. You just had to be there to capture them. And one day he said, son, don't ever let people figure you out or you're ruined. So do something different that they don't expect. And when you walk off and you hear him say, I didn't know he liked that. And you're thinking, I still don't like it, but you think I like it and I'm still alive. It'll be a good day. That actually was good counsel. Because when you're in, and I'm saying this now to you, when you're in the routine of life, we know things are changing, and yet it doesn't seem like it's changing until someone else comes back in our life. It's like, well, you've changed. You've picked up weight. You've lost weight. You're bald. You're gray-headed now. You're a different color than you used to be in your hairing, hair coloring. You used to be a blonde. Now you're a brunette. The different changes that we go through, and yet here's the reality. Change happens every day, but are we noticing it? And in that, we get this privilege of realizing, wait a minute, today I have a choice. I can be a saint or an ain't. I may still be a saint in reality, and yet I'm not acting like it. I'm not living up to my potential. I'm not taking God's word to speak directly to me. Colossians 1 and 10 said, be filled with the knowledge of his will so that you walk in a manner worthy. Do you feel like you're walking worthy of his grace every day? This means no. Most of us find ourselves doing it. Here, let the word of God speak to us today. What do we do in that moment when something draws our attention? I'm not living up to my potential. What do we do? Do we either just say, well, you know, nobody's perfect and just cast it off? Or do we let it inspire us? Because Paul continued in that verse when he say, made this statement. He said that we may be fully pleasing to the Lord. Isn't that really our desire? I mean, even if nobody else notices it, isn't that what you want in your life? To know that at any moment if he called us home. Have you ever had those thoughts? that Lord, I hope you give me a warning signal with at least five seconds that I'm getting ready to die. I'm not the only one, huh? You know what? It's really a good finger in the back, isn't it? Because if it's like, if I die doing what I'm getting ready to do, and Jesus wouldn't be happy with it, maybe I don't need to do it. If I'm getting ready to bless somebody out, and Jesus catches me mid-sentence, just when I gave an ugly word out of my mouth, maybe I don't need to do it. Boy, that's good preaching, Pastor. Boy, if they were here, you'd get them. 
saint or ain't, every day, the privilege of full potential, to be fully pleasing, to walk worthy, but you've got to be filled with the knowledge of his word. He goes on in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, to walk worthy, listen, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing one another. You know, the humility part, okay, you know, it's hard to be humble when you're so good, right? Being patient with people, but that bearing with one another, isn't that the one that kind of grinds on us? This means yes. That expression, uh, uh, bearing, has that word bear in it. This reminds me of so many years ago when Sheila was just meeting my mother. Mom, this is, this is the gal I've been dating, and it's getting serious. Well, my mother did ceramics. Sheila's already putting her head down. And so in the greenware, mom wasn't happy enough just to leave it as it was, and it was an owl, and she took a scalpel, and she lifted that green clay up to where it looked like it was feathers getting ready to take off in flight. And Sheila was bragging on her work and wanting to win this lady over to her. And, she, and, uh, <laughs> and mom made the statement, maybe you've never heard the expression Sheila had, and I'll defend Sheila in this. But my mother used the expression, yeah, that was a real bear. Well, the look on Sheila's face is, wow, this woman's really good. She made a bear into an owl. My mother looked over and was like, you got a live one here, son. <laughs> that expression, it's a bear. It's tough. And so it is with, I just got inspired with that, Sheila. I'm sorry. It's just the anointing on me today. To bear with one another. Sometimes it's seemingly unbearable. But to walk worthy in patience. Humility, bearing one another. These are the markings of a saint. Someone who has taken the grace of God given to them and saying, Lord, do more with me. You know what I can be. Let me be all that I can be. In athletics, any of you that have enjoyed sports, there's different mottos out there. If you've gone into a court or into a field and you get back to the locker room, maybe you didn't win that day. But the expression is, yeah, but I left it all on the field. I left it all on the court. I gave it everything I had in that moment. It's best I could do today. It just wasn't as good as so-and-so, but that's all right. I gave it my best. There is the message to the house of God. Matthew 5 and 16, you know well, let your light so shine before men. But that same thought, Paul writes, listen closely, Philippians 2 and 14, do all things. That means everything, without grumbling, uh-oh, without dispute, that we may be without blemish in the midst of a crooked world. You want to make a difference in somebody's life, be a saint. Without blemish in that moment, we find ourselves, and I, we're going to conclude, Brother Carey, if you come, we find ourselves so caught up in life and this flesh of ours speaks so much 
And we find ourselves either sinfully wanting to gratify the flesh or we just find ourselves weakened in the flesh, just like Jesus dealt with in that garden. To those disciples, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is so weak. In other words, the flesh gave up. The spirit has to take over. So the question is, are we going to gratify the flesh or satisfy the soul? I'll conclude with this today. I've made a statement now for the last couple of years. It's my statement. And I'm going to keep declaring it as long as I have breath in my body. We've never been needed like we're needed right now. As children of God, we've never been needed like we're needed right now. And the only way to do that is to take this simple message serious. I want to be that saint that I've been called to be. It wasn't just Paul. It wasn't just some original band in Jerusalem or in Israel. It's me called to be a saint. I don't always get it right. And sometimes I'm an ain't, but I'm called to be a saint. And in this hour, we need an awakening. We as a country, we need an awakening. We need a shaking. As I looked that up, it simply says, whenever an awakening has come, it's come on the heels of a time of a spirit of depression. Kind of sound like our time? A time of apathy. Listen to the next statement. When the majority of nominal Christians are hardly different from the secular society. It's then that a small group becomes conscious of their own sin and they begin to repent. God forgive me. See, it doesn't take the majority to get that thing going. It just takes a few said, I want to be what I've been called to be. I want to live up to my full potential. Would you stand with me today?